Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 156. This week on the show, I had an awesome conversation with Billy from the band Ragers. Um, Had a great time talking with him. Hit on a lot of different things. Um, Kind of the evolution of their sound, the experimentation they've done with their sound. Um, A lot about the music industry and kind of the whole shift in genres and how that's become a lot more fluid, things like that. Um, And yeah, we also talked about their new track, Only Sins, No Tragedies, as well as their upcoming album, Missed Calls from Home. Um, Had a great time talking with Billy Really appreciate him taking the time to do this conversation, and hopefully you guys are going to enjoy this as well. I think it's definitely a band that you guys need to check out. Um, And the back catalog, we kind of talked about this in the episode, the back catalog might throw you for a little bit of a loop, uh, because there is so much there and so many different styles that it's almost hard to believe that they're all from the same band, Uh, but they are. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. This is my conversation with Billy from the band Ragers. Um, yeah, to kick things off, I start with the same boring ass question every time because I've just never forced myself to come up with a better one. Simple introduction, man. Who are you and a little background on yourself and the band? My name is Billy. Uh, and I'm in a band called Ragers. We've been a band for almost a decade now. Um, we've done, we've tried out a lot of different styles. Uh, we've experimented a lot and uh, have now boiled it down to essentially coming back to our roots, man. Like, you know, as you get closer to 30, you want to do things that feel uh, more meaningful to you. And we were just like, well, what would we want to hear when we were kids, you know, and let's just uh, let's try to make songs that we wish we could have heard. Um, and so I guess that's a mix of pop punk and a bunch of whatever else we did over the last 10 years. Right. Yeah. No, it's it's funny you say that because I sent the the new single to a buddy of mine um, and I was like, hey, man, this is who I'm I'm interviewing today. And he's like, oh, that's dope. You know, like checking it out. It really enjoyed the new single. And he started catalog diving and he's like, bro, what the fuck, man? Like they are all over the place. (laughs) And I'm like, they've been around, man. You know, we just, we're both from Indiana. So like, you know, we weren't really exposed to you previously very well. Um, And it was one of those, I was like, man, they're, they've just been kind of playing in the sound space and figuring out like what's working for them. And I told him, I thought the new album was going to be much more like the new single and, you know, pushing a, uh, a much more like pop punk and alt rock type of feel. Yeah. Just being like, uh, I mean, not that we were ever not a band, but I mean, for the first couple of years of, of group, um, you had, you know, the three other boys who were basically just producing, um, and then I would really only rap on stuff live and then, we'd have a whole, you know, cast of collaborators that would come in and throw vocals on there. Um, And then the guys started spending a lot of time in LA. And so just being in LA and surrounded by, you know, new people and everything, 
they started making a lot of connections and uh, just trying out a bunch of different stuff, you know, and that project's always worked, um, you know, up until the last few records in a way where we would basically just have like a catalog of songs and then right. decide what we wanted to do with them. Um, whereas now, you know, we're taking a much more uh, organic band approach um, from the get-go. Yeah. So that's been, uh, that's been fun to work with. And yeah, it, it's a bit what we used to do in the beginning as well. Um, I mean, we worked a lot with, uh, with one of our friends from Montreal, who's now making it big as a rapper in LA as well. Uh, his name's Husser. But, you know, I mean, being a rapper, he had never been like in a band with a bunch of guys. So to have, you know, such talented musicians who can just play whatever, whenever, right. and, you know, follow the vibe and switch up whatever needs to be switched up as you go. Um, you know, he's always told us and a lot of other rappers have told us that it was um, almost like liberating for them because, you know, yeah they didn't have like the sort of instrumental that they had to pocket into. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see how that would uh, for force you, but in a, in a good way of forcing you to like evolve the sound and figure out like, okay, like this is what we've done. It's worked, but I don't, you know, kind of like you, I don't want to say like that you were inauthentic before or anything like that, but like, now it's we're being intentional and authentic to who we are it's not like this trying to write what we think people want to listen to we're writing what we want to write exactly i mean for sure we always wrote songs within genres that we enjoyed you know but right, it was right. always sort of like oh what would it sound like if ragers did this you know and at one point that this was like dubstep you know right. pretty much but then two records later it was like a lot more flowy and just like you can tell that we were spending more time in LA um and uh and then while you know during the pandemic since we were stuck in Quebec the boys usually uh spending around six months out of the year in LA uh or you know going back and forth um we decided to write a record in French, yes. which was like also very, uh, it was very challenging. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah my... I mean, like being Francophone, sorry, I don't mean go to... ahead. No, go for it. Um, yeah. Just being Francophone. I mean, like I've always been, so to give a bit more context, the rest of the band, you know, pretty much has been together for like 20 years. Two of them are brothers. I don't know how, you know, they still tolerate each other. It's absolutely <laughs> insane for a band to last together for that long. But I think it's a testament to, to how much they love doing what they do. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they've just always been spending like time on the road and, you know, they've always played big shows. I come from like a hardcore punk background. Um, and, you know, in 2013, by the time we met, I think that it was like at that point where because of like bring me the horizon hanging out with Skrillex and shit right. like the the dubstep and hardcore scenes sort of like started to to be in bed with each other cuz well I mean didn't like bring me the horizon actually do like a full dubstep remix of uh suicide season yeah 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 so 
yeah, that's a, a great point. You know, like I've often talked about the the genre fusion and and bring me as usually who I use as my example because they have done it so well and across so many different genres. And it's like, I don't think they get enough credit for redefining what a genre label is because without them, dubstep kids previously were not going to hardcore shows and hardcore kids were not going to dubstep events. Like that did not cross paths. Bring Me and Skrillex kind of opening that door. And now you've got people like Sullivan King um, you know, that's out there fucking killing it. Kazo's out there killing it with this like metal. Elenium even is doing stuff with like spirit yeah. box and shit now. Like, what is happening in this world? And if it wasn't for Bring Me, I don't think we would be there. Yeah, definitely. And like, yeah, the first time I saw Bring Me the Horizon, they were like opening for Cancer Bats at this <laughs> shitty little venue we used to have in Montreal called Cafe Lenko. And I swear to God, we were like, 43 kids and two dogs at this yeah. fucking show. And it was like when um, Count Your Blessings had just come mm-hmm. out. So yeah. that was like, I was like, oh man, these guys are sick. And then they came back, you know, two years later with Suicide Season. And I was like, oh, this is different, but like, this is good. And yeah. then they just kept like going more and more prog as Ollie realized he didn't really know how to scream. I'm going to get so much hate for this, but like anyone who's seen Ollie live between 2006 and 2010 can tell you that he sounded like he was in major pain up there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I, he like took classes with, uh, with uh, this lovely lady that I met on Warp Tour. Um, and uh, she like helped him through that. And now they're like selling out arenas and hanging out with, you know, celebrities. So I'm like, that's a major glow up and uh, give me hope. But, yeah. You know, well, and just genre it, is not a bad thing. Right. Right. And wasn't it like just last year, they, they linked up with Ed Sheeran to do that mashup. And it's like, that blew my mind when I heard that that was even a potential. Cause I'm like, whether you like Ed Sheeran or not, like genre wise, that doesn't make any sense. And then you hear that song and you're like, Oh no, this actually fucking works. Yeah. And I think, well, I mean, Ed Sheeran's always had, you know, his ear yeah. to the ground. I feel he's, yeah. I could see sure. Ed Sheeran listening to Bring Me the Horizon when he was a kid. Supposedly, he is a big fan of him, even before this. So that's part of the reason that it worked out. Um, and then it's funny you bring up your your French album because talking to my buddy earlier, he came across it obviously doing his deep dive, and he's like, "Can you ask them if they're going to re-record any of this in English? Because like I'm getting down with the beats and shit, but I don't know what they're saying." <laughs> You know what? We've actually never thought about it. Um, it's actually a really good idea. I mean, we love those songs so much. Like, they're so fun. We're very lucky that um, we got to, like, play them live because we got to tour within Quebec during the pandemic. Right. Um, so that was really fun. But, yeah, especially the second one that, like, we love so much and worked very hard on that we only got to tour for a summer because we were you know, had to be back working on, on this next one. Um, so I think that that would be cool if we could find like a second life for this, for these songs. And, uh, you know, who knows, maybe like songs in French will be a real market sometime soon. And, yeah. uh, yeah. 
Yeah, now that I, Americans I, are starting to watch foreign movies with subtitles, I feel like right. you know maybe songs in other languages might be the next. Uh, to to be fair, I think the pandemic had a lot to do with that, right? Everybody was locked at home; they ran out of shit to watch on Netflix, and it was like, well, there's this foreign movie. I guess I'm going to read while I <laughs> while I watch it. And now no one can hear without their subtitles. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's insane the way that that all evolved. But I, you know, thinking of like French artist as well um you've got chunk no captain chunk who are french and sing uh, obviously a lot of english but they're another band that like did this incredible crossover and kind of bridged the gap to america where like sure i don't know what the fuck you're saying but i dig what the what the sound is so i'm here yeah i yeah that's another band that i was like so surprised that they got big because they were um you know my my buddy matt who's in a, a band that we love called Mirabel, um you know has known them his entire life and he's like oh yeah those were just like you know the dumbasses down the street right. you know throwing parties at their mom's house and shit um they they seem like they were like maybe the the sum 41 of the suburbs of paris so right um <laughs> yeah to see them blow up like that and you know Especially like I feel like it started out as a meme that everyone just had to start taking seriously at some point. Yeah, yeah. The I remember, you know, when I first heard them, it was um, when they dropped "In Friends We Trust," and it was like, okay, well, this is cool. It's different, but it's cool. And then got more and more into it. And now that I'm talking about them, um, Enter Shikari is another band that like I don't understand most of what y'all fucking say, but I'm here for it, man. <laughs> I love Enter Shikari. Uh, yeah, I think that it might be like, I think the first time I ever like yelled live was probably doing an Enter Shikari song uh, cover with like my band yeah. at some talent show. Yeah, <laughs> they're dope. Um, so I guess, you know, as we have this conversation, it's a good time to kind of talk about this. Like it, hearing your catalog and not being super familiar with you, these are also all bands that have kind of, you've grown up listening to and kind of influenced your your sound. So what was it like, you know, especially in Canada where your music scene is way, way different than America or even the UK, what was it like growing up listening to these artists and kind of almost being an outcast, right? Yeah. Um, so luckily Montreal, is incredibly different from the rest of Canada. Uh, and while fair. there are like, you know, great artists obviously coming out from the rest of Canada. Um, I mean, especially me, like I grew up, well, I mean, we all grew up during like the golden age of, you know, Toronto-ish hardcore. I mean, you had like, you had counterparts, you had Alexis on Fire, you had Moaning, you had Cancer Bats, you had Protest the Hero, you had like, the kindred Silverstein. great yeah. Silverstein yeah um and then you know in Montreal we had like Simple Plan who were you know off being the biggest band in the world at the time so um we were pretty lucky and then you know the band that the rest of the boys had as kids were fairly popular too so they got to like tour with uh with a lot of you know bigger Canadian acts um like Avril and like Simple Plan and all that yeah. so um it was for sure different um and we were always like very conscious of the fact that 
you know, it would take an extra bit of effort to try to break into the US. Um, and yeah, I think that, uh, especially with like, with Ragers, with the project that we have now, um, we're, you know, trying to make our way back down. It's especially with uh, the new visa requirements that the US government yeah. is trying to put in place. I mean, I've been talking to a lot of bands who just really don't know when the next time they'll come back to the US is going to be. Because, uh, you know, unless you have, I mean, even if you sell out all of your shows, it's like, it's very hard to, to make it through. Um, so I think that, you know, maybe 10 years ago when we started, it seemed a lot more accessible. Um, things have changed so much. I mean, like we started being in bands when like CDs were still pretty right. much the only medium. Um, so learning to, to move with that and to adapt with that um, has been fun. And so I guess that being in Canada, you know, has an advantage in the sense that we do um, get some government help uh, to be able to do what we do. Um, especially when it comes to touring internationally, because otherwise it, I don't know that it would be viable. And also Canada's just having like, a, well, I mean, it's been having a big comeback. I feel like, yeah. you know, most of the US top 10 is held by Canadian artists like Drake and Justin Bieber and The Weeknd and, you know, right. stuff that we don't necessarily listen to, but we know that they're big in Canadian and that they're big in the US. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, because, I mean, that is a, a great point that the, like, billboard charts and whatnot are kind of Drake, Bieber. There's so many big Canadian names that I think, honestly, people forget are Canadian. You know what I mean? Like, Bieber has lived too. in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, Bieber's lived in the U.S. for so long that I think people just assume he's from the U.S. now. And, you know, Drake had his whole... I, maybe making this up didn't he have a home in like miami or some shit for a long time um like he i think he was, was dual citizen or something like that maybe yeah but well you know, he's always been so he grew up uh he sort of grew up in texas because i think his okay. dad's from texas something yeah. like that um but yeah he's been uh i mean i'm very happy that he now has moved back to toronto sort of right time and has become the unofficial mayor of Toronto. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, you know, I think for people like you and I, you know, maybe these are, are artists that people aren't familiar with somehow, but like, I'm a huge fan of lights. Um, I love Arkells. They've been killing it the last couple of years as well. And like to see some out so much of that type of scene starting to flourish too, has been incredible because like, I remember seeing lights on warp tour when February Air came out and people were like, who the fuck is this girl playing synth pop on a fucking guitar? And now she's doing, she's got lights. She's got the loon um, crossover thing. She does like a dubstep DJ thing. Like nice. She's killing it. And it's like, that. yeah, it's super dope beats and whatnot. And like she's killing it. And it's all this incredible talent up there. And to circle it back to the point you were making, it's really like, it's great to see, but it's also really sad to see because I think people assume that, oh, the US and Canada, like you have free open border, right? Like you guys can just come down or we can go up. Like, no, that's a fucking process. Yeah. I mean, it used to be the case, like, especially 
I mean, it's so fun when, you know, we have a few hours to kill before shows and obviously you just sit down and have a drink with like the oldest tech you can find right. in the building. <laughs> and, you know, he'll have like crazy stories about touring in the 70s and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I really hope that they do have that that discussion uh, between the two governments to see how how they can work together, because I mean, I know that American artists want to come tour up here just as badly. So we really need to figure out a system. I, you know, people don't understand just how many logistics go into touring and like, right. you know, you literally have to like s set up points on a map and like figure out a route that is viable and makes sense. And a lot of that usually involves like crisscrossing, you know, going up from LA and then up to Vancouver and then back down to Texas and then back up to, and it's sort of insane. And especially if you have like a big crew, um, you know, making it across the border is tough. Even like, you know, warp tour, like I remember when they yeah. used to get to the border and then like a bunch of the truck drivers had to get out and then they would fly in new guys who were like licensed to drive in Canada. Cause yeah. you know, a lot of the truckers on warp tour had just never gotten passports in their life and right yeah yeah no and it, it's insane too because like there is such a, a level of restriction like what you're talking about but then we have states like fucking michigan that if you have a michigan driver's license you're allowed to fucking drive in canada with no passport or anything because it's part of the agreement and it's like but why like why are we so free with this thing but somebody that's trying to make a living and is down here for a a designated amount of time has to apply for all this fucking paperwork and has to go through all these hoops and it's like why it's because governments are involved we know the answer but yeah. <laughs> like it shouldn't be that big of a deal to be like cool we want to come down we're doing a 30-day tour we'll be out of the country by this date you know whatever even if you have to give the actual tour itinerary like that should be basically the end of the process, but it's not anywhere near the start of the process for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's hard being on the road. However, I must say, I can't wait to be dragged down in the U S playing shows. I, I used to hate LA before the pandemic, but now I'm just like, you know what? Give me the flaky people, the sun and the beach. I'll go, I'll do it. Right. But um, I was, I've talked to a lot of artists, especially post pandemic. And, um, you know, it was funny, like in the pandemic, when I really got this podcast launched and whatnot, so many artists that were like, dude, I would take the shittiest dive bar that we've ever played in front of the shittiest crowd if I could just be out on the road again. Like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I mean, I think that for a lot of us, I mean, at least for me, especially being part of like, the hardcore scene that is like all about touring, you know, shitty church basements <laughs> right. and, you know, <laughs> Legion halls or whatever, Knights of Columbus halls. Um, yeah. Like being on the road, being, you know, six people tossed in a, in a shitty little Honda and trying to make it from city to city is a, it's really a beautiful, magical thing is, you know grueling as it can be um to get to wake up somewhere new every day to get to 
you know, see the impact that your music has on people every day is, uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, I worked in kitchens for a very long time and I almost compared to cooking in the sense that like you get to sort of see people, how much they enjoy it in the moment or not. And your performance will affect the enjoyment that these people had. And they paid to come out to your show, you know, they paid to come out to your restaurant. So you have to, you have to serve them the best you can. You want them to make sure that they go home and they tell their friends to come and see you or come and eat at your restaurant. So, yeah, yeah, no. And that's, I really like that kind of analogy and, and perception of it because, you know, I talk a lot about how it pisses me off so much when I'm at a show and like, there's little to no crowd for the opener but by the time the headliner comes on the place is fucking packed and it's like guys like i appreciate that you have some level of love for the music but these openers are the ones that are out there truly grinding trying to get this off the ground and like i always say you never know who you're going to discover as a headline or as an opener because like that's been you know historically the way that i come across new music is like you know, I'm, I'm here to shoot the headliner. Like tomorrow night, I'm going to, to photograph Under Oath, which is dope. But I'm going to be there early because I want to see who's come along with them, who's the next step. And that's what you're going to find. Yeah. And, you know, as corporate as tours can be, if you really like that band, trust, like, trust their ear. Like they, yeah. you know, usually had some say in who's opening for them. So they're usually not going to put shitty bands. Sometimes it happens. I've seen it but (laughs) but and yeah like you said like imagine if you know I mean I've never would have found out about that dispute I never would have found out about the Menzingers and all those bands that I love now had I not shown up early to the gig had I not shown up early to the Cancer Bat show I never would have seen Bring Me the Horizon right yeah and you know it's insane and that I think ties into in the industry as well and I know you can speak to this like whether you're the opener, the headliner, whatever, like you have no idea who the next hand you're going to shake is and where they may end up. And like, obviously you're going to run into some, some shitty people. Like I'm not saying be best friends with every fucking buddy, but you know, don't always cut people out or think that you're better than somebody because that person may be able to open the next door for you and get you on that next level. Yeah, definitely. Um, the number one thing that I always tell like new, newer artists, um, and I sound like we're old, but we have, you know, I mean, I'm 38, so I, I've been here. You know? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we've all been in bands for like 20 years. So that is something that we've learned, but just like being on time, being polite, being respectful, um, you know, helping people out it it will never you know not profit you in the end like even if the person doesn't like your music they'll remember how nice you were to them how maybe you helped them i don't know set up their bass amp or something um people will really remember you for that yeah well and you know hopefully they're remembering too ideally the type of crowd that you're drawing you know, and they're like, shit, we need an opener for this, this other band. And well, I know these guys can pull, let's get them in, get them as the local opener, quote unquote. And then 
that's your introduction to someone like bring me now that you're going, Hey, remember when we opened for you, you know, three years ago and they're going, yeah, come on, you're going on the road. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's a lot of, you know, a lot of the opportunities that we've had over the years have come from little things like that. You know, I mean, uh, we ended up recording a lot of the songs for our previous record in English, uh, which came out in uh, 2018. And it's called Raw Footage for those who want to go back there. But, you know, it was literally just like being nice to our neighbor at the Airbnb in LA who was taking out the trash and was like, oh, you're a band. I have a recording studio. Come check it out. And it was that easy, you know, meeting kids at the corner store who are like, oh, you seem like you're a band. We rap. Can we like work together? And I gave, you know, one of my favorite tracks on that record. Um, yeah. 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 It, it's insane. And it definitely, um, you know, it, it also goes to like the crowd level, right? Like, again, maybe I don't dig the opener's sound, but I've got friends. Hey man, this band opened for the, the people I was here to see and I didn't care for them, but it definitely sounds like it's up your alley. Like you can still pass that stuff on. And um, I tell people (laughs) at the end of basically every one of my episodes, I say, do all the free shit for these bands, go like their page, reshare a post, stream a song. Like all that goes so far for all the fucking algorithms and bullshit that we deal with now. That's better marketing. Honestly, a lot of times than actually putting money into marketing. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, as corny as it is, like, the amount of people whose things I've actually, like, checked it out just because they were like, yo, peep my SoundCloud or whatever, right. and I'm like, <laughs> you know, 98% of the time I'm like, fuck your SoundCloud, I'm not clicking on that. Right. And then every now and then I'm like, yeah. And when I say that, I don't mean, like, stuff that people send me personally, just like, you know, they'll at, like, some huge artist on Twitter, right. and I'm just like, oh, who is this kid, you know? trying to like get in do Alipa's DMs to send her beats. But then you go and you're like, oh yeah, his beats are fired. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's all it takes to start elevating people. And you know, hopefully, obviously that's probably not an exact example, but hopefully that kid, you know, makes his way up to that level. And you run into even maybe more especially for you guys now, like in the back of your mind, you're like, bro, if we need a beat, like this kid maybe can give us something like I've got a, a potential backup plan. Yeah. And, you know, being older and having done this for so long, I mean, we're at the point now where there are these kids who are like, Oh yeah, I've been listening to you guys for a long time. You know, I did this song that was like sort of a rip off of this other song you guys did. And you're like, Oh shit. Like the kids actually care, you know? And that's yeah. always nice to know. We're always there to, we're always there to help them. and yeah like we'll legit collaborate with anyone we've tried so many genres and we're so open to everything that someone can make it make sense you know we've never really traveled to like a new place without trying to record with someone local I mean we recorded some fucking bangers when we were out in South Korea just because we like linked up with some local kids and yeah 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 and that's the way to do it you know I think it helps grow that fan base in those other areas too. And I think that's probably something a lot of bands kind of are, are missing out on or not thinking about whether you're doing it fully intentionally or not. Like 
now there's going to be those South Korean kids that have heard those songs and they're like, well, now I have to listen to everything this band puts out because I got a taste of them in my native language or whatever. Now I want to see more. It's so funny. So one of our songs got used in uh, 16 and Pregnant. (laughs) And and then another one of them got used in like this, you know, blockbuster Netflix show, but like in Brazil or something. Right. And so every now and then we'll just have like this influx of new fans from like somewhere random or, you know, like one song whose numbers will just be like boosted for the week. And you're like, oh, they were that episode of 16 Pregnant. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and then you get all those kids who, you know, actually do the work and go and discover the bad catalog. And they're like, oh, you have tracks with Kate Trinata. You have tracks with, you know, the guys from Van Van 3000. You've worked with, you know, all these people. And it's like, yeah, we've been around for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's one of those things, again, because of the nature of the music industry and like the difficulty sometimes to get other places, like your first UK tour was probably, you know, seven, eight, nine years in. It's like, yeah, we've got a whole shitload of stuff. You guys are just now finding us. Like, just wait till you start peeling back the layers. And um, it's it's always cool to see that sort of stuff. Like, I remember uh, the first time I heard Architects was like that, you know? Like, I heard Architects, um, I think when, like, is it Black Butterfly came out or whatever? And I'm like, oh, this is dope. And then I'm like, oh, shit, they have two fucking full albums before this. I didn't know anything about them. Um, So it's so cool to see that level of of growth as well, that like we're we're out, we're making a name for ourselves. And yet people are still discovering our music 20 years later, finding us, you know. Yeah. And there's nothing I love more. I mean, a lot of how I find my new favorite music is usually by like, lurking you know you find a good band you see what other bands you know the the band members have been in and you're like yo how have I how have I never heard of this band that has like 34 monthly (laughs) listeners on Spotify but you know they recorded like two EPs and then broke up and you're like no I want more right Um, and then we have like the other you know it's not a problem but you know we're just like in the other case where people exactly start peeling back the onion they're like oh okay that's what you used to do before and sometimes they're a bit confused and I mean honestly so are we but uh like I said I really feel like you know with this one we really found our voice I mean I know that I definitely did I mean I hadn't really sang in a band in such a long time Um, and I sing a lot more on this record and I've always been sort of you know shy about it like I I've written a lot of like solo you know emo acoustic songs that will never see the light of day (laughs) Um, but then you know I was always like oh and it'd be fun if you found a way to you know make that work with with your band Um, and we found a way to make it work with this one so yeah. I was very, very stoked about that. Um, we worked on it with an outstanding producer, which we, you know, we mostly self-produced a lot of our stuff and we still executive produce all of our stuff, but we had, you know, it was nice to sort of like 
have our songs and give them to someone who would like sort of yeah have a new direction for us to go with them yeah because it's very easy to be like okay I've gone to the end of what I've done with this song and he was just like you know unraveling every song only taking like a tiny bit and being like no like that's the strongest part of the song that's what you need to build on um so that process was super fun and uh you know, as as much as it is like punk rock, I think that people who listen to it will um, will definitely understand how diverse I think our our musical background is, and our influences really come from all over. You know, yeah. Montreal is such like a weird city for music. You know, you have like you have like the whole you know fucking indie scene with like Godspeed You Black Emperor, and you know. Arcade Fire when rest in peace. Um, <laughs> but then you know you also have like crazy emo bands like Golfer and Avec Plaisir, and then all these great DJs like Ketronada and Apache. And so, and you know, we're friends with all these people. And right. so you're always like, you know, seeing new things, new influences and everyone you know comes from like different countries here you know it's very yeah. rare that you come across someone who's like oh yes I was born and raised in Montreal so um that definitely like feeds your creativity and we had never most of our stuff most of our catalog has been recorded in LA and so this was like entirely recorded here um and not even in like our own professional studio that we have it was like very much done at other people's places so that process was uh a lot of fun yeah yeah for sure um that's a really good segue we discussed earlier we're not going to uh give all the details away but new albums coming soon uh missed calls from home you guys have dropped the new single only sends no tragedies um I feel like it's a an obvious thing, and maybe I'm fucking wrong. Is that a, a pointed throw over to Panic at the Disco? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the song obviously sounds nothing like it. I, right. I Title wise, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that I I saw a great tweet this week about this, but so what people need to know is that every band has like another name for this song before it becomes the actual yeah. song title on the album but that's one that just like stuck because I think it used to sound extremely different that's one of those where Max uh, our producer was like no like you think that this is the good part but this is the good part um, but I think that just like Phil did this weird thing with the guitar that didn't sound like like uh, I don't write sins um, but that I was like, oh, it sounds like sort of twinkly, sort of like yeah. that song. And so that's how we we went with that title. And then in a very uh, spontaneous way, when it came time to like write my verse, I was just like, well, I can't, you know, chime in with another sentence, but I chimed in. Right. So, um, so yeah, the, the nod is there. And those years of Fuel by Ramen are like, very much you know what made us who we are um 
I think especially especially me. I mean, like I'm the biggest Fallout Boy fan in the world. Um, and I met the rest of the guys at a gym class heroes show. Yeah. So Fuel by Ramen will always have like a very, very big uh, place in our hearts. I feel like they were so underrated as a label, you know, because the time that you're talking about for anybody that's not familiar with how incredible the scene was at that moment, they had Fallout Boy, they had Panic, they had Paramore, they had Gym Class, they had fucking everybody that anybody wanted to listen to or aspire to be. And then obviously as they, they were this perfect like talent farm and as each of these bands grew up, they all went off to these major labels and did incredible things. And most of them are continuing to do incredible things. Yeah. But it was just so interesting because you had other labels. I'll, I'll take the heat for this one. Victory Records had an incredible <laughs> roster, but fuck could they not manage yeah. it for shit, you know? Man, yeah, but that was... I sort of miss that though, and not, yeah. you know, bands being fucked over by their management. But um, I miss when labels used to have like that fucking cred where, like, because kids won't know this, but you can just stream a song before you bought the record. Like, right. you had to just take a chance and buy the record. So when you would like turn it over and you would see, you know, Victory Records, fucking uh, Fuel by Ramen, Decadence, you were like, okay. Like, I, I yeah. know I'm in good hands. And then it would usually be like the most insane record you've ever heard. And you were like, yes. Okay. Drive through um, records back in the day. Hopeless. Hopeless even today. I think I may be misquoting this. Maybe it's out of date information. I feel like Travi is on Hopeless again. So Travi is now back. Everyone that was like on Decadence 15 years ago has now been brought back under DCD2, which is like. Okay. Yeah. DCD2. And I think Patrick is like more involved now, but uh, yeah, Pete just like signed all his friends basically and tried yeah. to but, have but again, catalog at the same place. But again, just the insanity of that that growth, and like I think that's a a throwback to what we were talking about earlier too. Is like Pete making all these connections and people connecting with Pete over the years for now him to be like, hey, this is where you guys get to live, and you get virtually full creative control over your shit you get this you get that there's no it's not a cash grab for him it's really yeah. about building the scene yeah there's the i was just reading them not too long ago um but there's like the actual conversations from myspace from like keep following panic at the disco <laughs> writing to them being like you guys are sick send me a picture of you okay you guys look sick um have you ever played a show no doesn't matter what else you have recorded okay i'm flying you out to la uh you're playing your first show opening for fall boy like yeah that quick and you're like whoa okay that's like impossible now you know now yeah. kids have to like blow up on tiktok before a label even agrees to sit down with them which is is insane too because you know to your point about that that old street cred you know looking i remember Sam Goody, Disc Jockey, FYE, Suncoast back in the day going to these record stores. Feels old to even say record store, but that's what it was. And you might get lucky. They didn't have every, every album in it, but they had those scanners that you could mm -hmm. scan certain CDs and you'd get like a 30 second clip of a song and you're like, uh, 
fuck it, I'm doing it. You know, like yeah. I've got this. Um, and, you know, I miss that because now, cool. I've, I've got Spotify. I've got SoundCloud. Like, yeah. I'll just go there I'm and stream the whole thing. Heavy though. Like, yes. <laughs> I would say that like, you know, probably 68% of like the music I find will usually be on Bandcamp. So yeah. thank God for Bandcamp. Yeah. And, and Bandcamp does some incredible stuff too for the music community. They do those different um, like give back days or whatever where the artist Yeah, gives. the uh, Bandcamp Fridays. Yeah. Yeah. Those so, are great. Yeah, it's incredible that, you know, they're, they know like, A, we wouldn't exist without these musicians. B, it's their fucking art. They should be paid for it. Yeah. Weird how that works. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like... I end up buying music on Bandcamp because, you know, just like that scanner, you know, you get to yeah. listen to the album three, four times, and then comes the time to open your wallet and pay the 10 bucks. But, you know, what's 10 bucks for an album you're going to listen to, you know, 150 times? It, it, it always fucking kills me when, when I see people post that like, oh, I can't, I can't justify spending money on that because I have streaming or whatever. And it's like, okay, but you can go give Starbucks $10 per cup of coffee that you have, but you couldn't give a band that you love that $10 that they're really only going to see about $3 out of. Yeah. Like what? I don't make it make sense. I just don't understand it. Yeah. And in that case, I just tell people that's fine. Buy merch. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's another big thing. If you go to shows for people that are listening to us, bitch right now, if you go to a show, <laughs> buy a fucking shirt because that that and the tip jar are how you guys are are paying for gas and getting to the next show quite maybe literally. getting a hotel room you know if you're lucky um and we don't have to get into all the details of it but the hot take right now going on with um you know live nation especially being called yeah. out on it but all these venues that oh we want a merch cut for fucking what what, what did you do that you deserve a cut of my merch I, I like it kills me I mean especially like coming from the DIY scene where I'm like why would you take a merge cut like what yeah I've I'll, heard I'll, of like I'll like, give you ten dollars for the table five dollars for the chair but that's that's the extent of what I'm doing yeah and like I'll bring my own shit <laughs> being a good I, I want to give a shout out to merch people because they don't get enough credit um but like there are people who do this professionally and yeah. seeing them work is absolutely insane. Um, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, people like Lydia um, who, who I got to do a bit of warp tour with and I'm like seeing her interact with the fans, like making sure that people get that extra CD, that extra fucking guitar pick, whatever. And you're like, wow, okay. You know what you're doing. And then, people don't realize that like these people get poached, you know, they often go from like doing, you know, like a national hardcore tour and then can like get poached by fucking Drake to go do his arena tours. Cause they have that, right. that drive, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, another one that we'll touch on tour managers don't get enough love. Like Jesus Christ. I have met some some tour managers that know how to manage the fuck out of people's lives 
Yeah. I could never, you know, like I'm not organized enough. I know that I'm not, but I've, I've seen the same thing, you know, coming up through the music scene and, you know, seeing a lot of these tour managers on warp tour and stuff. And then you hear about them two, three, four, five years later. And it's like, Oh, they're, they're out with Demi Lovato. They're covering Justin Bieber shit. Like time out. What? Like I remember seeing her, you know, at this show and it's, yeah. it's insane. Um, love a good, you know, growth experience for anybody. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, that's one of those things too. When you go to a show, thank the merch person for being there. If you talk to the tour manager, give them a high five for fucking making sure everybody got there safe. Uh, bus drivers, if you have a bus, you know, that sort of stuff. Like there are so many people behind the scenes that are unsung heroes. And, you know, I think it gets taken for granted a lot of times that, Oh, well, the show would have happened. Maybe, maybe not though. Like yeah. there's, some, there's some sound texts out there that I know if they weren't there, that show was not happening. Yeah. Like, yeah. Everyone has horror stories of <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it, it's a, it's a hard, it's such a hard world to get into to begin with. You know, right. your chances of, of making it are like, close to none and it gets harder every single day um and so i'm like sometimes a bit worried about you know why kids even want to get into it i mean i feel like maybe that's dying down but i feel like for such a long time it was just like they mostly wanted to be influencers and thought that music was you know their way to get there i feel like maybe that's changing right now but i absolutely hope that we are not going back towards that because musicians are not usually the best influencers and the other <laughs> way around so yeah yeah uh, i did a quick google and obviously there's varying numbers but it's it's roughly a 0.01% chance to become a true professional musician yeah yeah. And, it, and that's it, like, but so, and you see, you know, when you think of like Lady Gaga, you don't realize that Lady Gaga is, you know, she's just like the face of a company. She's the CEO of Lady Gaga Inc. that employs, you know, probably hundreds, if not thousands of people. So, yeah. Um, and every one of those people, like, they don't really do it for money, you know? Right. You do it because yeah. they love music, because, they don't mind being up until 5 a.m., you know, loading gear and trucks and stuff. So um, I think that those uh, the people that do that need to be uh, saluted for their very hard work. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so circling back to the album a little bit. Again, we're not giving away too many details, but missed calls from home. Yeah. Obviously, as 2023 rolls on, there's some big plans for this tours and everything aren't finalized or announced or anything yet but like, not like yet. What's, what's the vision for you guys on this record um yeah so like i said i think that we're really going back to to our roots with this one and i think that that will involve you know maybe a different approach to how we usually did things um i mean this is also like the least DIY record we've ever done because, you know, we're very, very lucky to be surrounded by a bunch of people we love and admire who were helping to push this record further. Um, 
but yes, I mean, really what, what we want to do in 2023, 2024 is tour, you know, make up for the last two years and keep building. I mean, right before the pandemic, we were out in, uh, we were out touring in Korea and like had so much fun there and had a bunch of fans there that we didn't even know about because they don't use Spotify. And so we didn't right. even know that we were being streamed on like other platforms there. And, you know, we're like doing three, four sold out shows and we're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> um, and we were supposed to do in a full like Asian tour in March of 2020. So <laughs> obviously that got canceled. So if we can get back out there, obviously we'll be you know back in the u.s as soon as we can um i don't know how long it'll be before we can do like a full u.s tour but you know what if we can come down and visit you in indiana that uh yeah, that that's not too far very, very happy it's only we'll, halfway down the country it's fine exactly yeah we'll stop off uh you know on our way to and or back from chicago yeah. Well, and that's the thing, like with where I'm at, I actually get up to Chicago pretty frequently. So like uh, I'm based about an hour north of Indianapolis. So Chicago is a three hour drive for me. Not a big deal. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's so much potential here. And, you know, now that across the world, restrictions have lightened up from COVID. That being said, with the, the caveat of the U.S. fucking around with visas, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think I think the opportunity, the, the beautiful thing is fans seem to be hungry for live music again. Yeah. And, you know, I think it was taken for granted, obviously, pre the pandemic. And it kind of fell off. You didn't have people that were just like, oh, fuck it. There's a show. I'm going to that tonight. It was eh, there's a, I'll catch them next time around. Like there's not a guarantee to next time around anymore. So I think it's getting kids like. I have to go see this band. Like I may not get another shot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were also exploring different, you know, ideas with our team and we were like, well, what if we just did it old school and like got in a van and just showed up to a different bar every fucking day, played our yeah. hour set and got out and, you know, went to the next town. Um, I don't know how much that model works in 2023, <laughs> I hope the kids are like bored enough now that they make it back to venues. Yeah, I, I think obviously it depends on the market to some extent, mm -hmm. but I, I do think, you know, like your Chicago crowd, your your major metro crowds in the U.S., I think are definitely back in that mindset of I just want shit to do again. So mm -hmm. I'm going to go see shows, period. Yeah. Um, but I want to tell kids in the rest of America do not think of yourselves as middle America. You're like what, you know, you're the best tour stories and you're usually like the most fun shows that a lot of my friends who tour have. So um, don't ever think of yourself as like a small scene or a small city. Um, you're probably like a very big band's favorite town to play. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing, you know, that I think gets lost. Like Indianapolis is considered technically a B market when you look at the way those work. But I hear so many stories about, man, Indianapolis killed it. And then they'll go, they'll play like fucking Chicago, Nashville, like one of the other quote unquote A uh, tier markets. And they're like, they didn't show up. Like Philly wasn't, wasn't feeling it or New York wasn't feeling it. And it's yeah. like, 
that that's what it's about you know it doesn't have to be the giant venue it can be the like you were saying earlier the vfws the knights of columbus like those are where the energy is that's where the fun's at yeah there is way more energy at like in all day Sunday show in a church basement than there is in an arena for any rapper in the world. I can assure you of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I don't have the list in front of me for the album, but one of the questions I, I want to ask, especially since this album's not out yet, um, it's kind of one of my wrap up questions for you here is going to be a two part question. Number one is what song i actually lied i found the track list what song on the album do you think people are going to be like gravitating to and then the flip side of that what song do you want them to come around to wait i'm gonna have to pull out the track list for this one <laughs> um um I, I know that people have been liking um, Only Sins, No Tragedies a lot so far. Um, I like that one. Call Home, I think, is probably going to be one of the other big ones. Um, man. Okay, so there's this song tossed out that I think... Like, I really don't know. I might be very, very wrong about this, but I, I think that that one might weirdly really resonate with a certain crowd. Okay. Um, I feel like it could, like, I don't know, work with maybe people who don't listen to any genre that has, like, punk in it, even though I find the energy of it, like, super punk. I mean, it borderline reminds me of, like, a song by the clash but i i think that most people wouldn't like instantly right clock that as being punk um and then yeah that one has like a a sister track or a cousin track if you'd like uh called goblin mode that See, and that's the one when i was reading the track <laughs> listing i'm like what the fuck is goblin mode? i gotta check that out <laughs> yeah that one's really fun um I think that people are going to be like confused maybe when they hear it on the record, but I feel like live, it's going to make a lot of sense. Um, which is the thing with, you know, it's something that we've always like grappled with, you know, trying to make music for a record, um, keeping in mind that, you know, we're going to have to play that record on the road and that it has to sound good on the road too. And that we're not bored with playing these songs. Um, and I think that we did a really great, job with that one um hmm man i i love the opener just because it reminds me of high school so much yeah. <laughs> like it just feels like a track that i would have heard when i was uh when i was a kid uh but yeah call home i think is gonna be uh is gonna be one that i think people will like naturally gravitate to uh yeah. but i hope that they are just as into goblin mode. <laughs> I'm I'm a big stickler, so I'll do it the way that I always do it. I'm a big stickler that the first two times I listen to a new record, I have to listen to it straight through to get that vibe. But goblin mode's the one that like I'm anticipating. Like I <laughs> I want to skip to it, but I won't. I'll I'll do it in order. I mean, I I do recommend because it can feel a bit. I, yeah. 
thinking about it now. I'm like, if you just went straight for goblin <laughs> mode without having the context, it might like it might be one of the weirder ones. Um, but it, it's a weird one, you know. I've been like sending it to a lot of my friends, and it's roughly down the middle between like some people who are like, eh, don't really care for that one, and then the rest of the people who are like, bro, that one's fucking an alien right that that one's it that's the one that puts you on the map that's the the track yeah and everyone has like a a different idea of what that track will be on the record which i think is a good thing i don't know um we're usually like very scared about releasing our records and we're very like unsure and whatever but this one first of all has been done for like over a year um so we've really had time to like you know listen to it do the changes we wanted to do on it you know our girlfriends are fucking sick of hearing it (laughs) (laughs) like but and all our friends know the lyrics to most of the songs already so and that doesn't happen very often where like we're bumping our own music you know right so we love it um and a lot of people that you know we really trust when it comes to music love it um we've only put out you know one song and that was a week ago and already the the response is absolutely insane so yeah yeah i'm uh i mean we're feeling very good about that one we can't wait for it to be uh out in the world and uh and and mostly to yeah play and play the shows yeah for sure and i i think you're right i think for me like the the mixed reviews on like or the mixed uh opinions on which song is going to be the breakout song is a really good sign because that means like if everybody in my mind if everybody comes to the agreement that this is the one track that you guys nailed on this album and that's going to be the song that blows you up it's like okay but now are we a one-hit wonder like is that all we have but with people saying oh no it's this one it's this one it's that one okay cool like we're gonna hit in these different areas and it's not a fuck we we made one song and it worked and that's all anybody gives a shit about. Yeah. Like I remember, you know, being a huge Fallout Boy fan. This is going to sound very nerdy and this is going <laughs> to be very old for some of the younger people in the audience. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, having been a fan of the band, when they released Sugar We're Going Down, I was like, oh, okay, that's going to be a hit. Then I was like, what are they going to follow that up with? And then they went with Dance Dance. And I'm like, oh shit okay they're about to like really become huge like right everyone thought that sugar going down it was going to be it but dance dance found a life of its own and then mtv were like who do these kids hang out with uh what's my chemical romance all right have them on the show and that like opened up doors and i mean not that I think that we're gonna, you know, I don't think that we're gonna be the next simple plan with that one. Maybe, you know, who knows? Who knows? At this point, people are becoming, uh, you know, people are finding success in the most unlikely ways. But um, what I'm excited with this one is about um, the fact that in a world where like everything is so fast paced and people are like, you know, becoming famous and then falling into obsolescence the very next day, um, a band that's been together for 10 years, a band that, you know, is not like world domination at all right. costs and is not like spending all their money on ads on TikTok, you know, sort of playing the long game and making the kind of tracks, as we were saying about like, you know, the tracks that ended up 
on you know 16 pregnant whatever like you know having a solid album that has tracks for everyone and everything is like an art that people forget about i think and sometimes labels are like oh it's not cohesive enough and it's like well that means that you didn't listen to it front to back yes first of all the songs are mixed into each other (laughs) (laughs) that's and that's one of the things that I think that's one of the big reasons that I am so anal about that is because like, I've heard that I've been doing music journalism for around 19, 20 years now. And that's one of the common things. Every time I tell people, Oh, you got to check out this new band or check out this album. They're like, well, you know, I was skipping around and I really like this one, but I didn't understand this or whatever. And I'm like, but listen to it in context. Like, it's not a concept album in the sense that, like, there's a character and a story in every single album, but the fucking themes are there to tie them together. That's why it's an album. And I tell people all the fucking time, even without it being a concept album, those tracks are in that order for a fucking reason. Yeah. Listen to it in order at least the first two times make up your mind on, oh, that's, that's a favorite, whatever. And then you can go skip around, but yeah. just fucking give, give the piece of art room to live its life. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like a good songwriter without even noticing will, you know, sometimes allude to something that they said in another song or mm-hmm. will, you know, sort of like resolve a story that they started two albums prior. I mean, yeah Pete is like great at doing that I mean he'll sometimes like I was listening to to the record that they're putting out um at the end of the month Mm -hmm. and like he has a few lines on there that you know point to like references on evening out with your girlfriend which came out literally 20 years ago you know and you're like oh okay that was clever like one of my favorite bands ever the sidekicks you know where like Matt, had, uh, sorry, Steve had like really, you know, there, there's a lot of themes that come back and yeah, he'll like point to things that he'll have said on like previous records and you're like, oh, that's how that story ends. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had someone on the podcast not too long ago and I brought up exactly that. I had listened to the, the new record that they were dropping and I'm like, yeah, I really liked how, you know, track eight kind of resolved the, the message of track two. And he just sat there and stared at me and he goes, holy fuck, it does. Like (laughs) he hadn't even put it together and he wrote the fucking song and he's like, it it absolutely does. I didn't, I wasn't consciously doing that. And I think it is a, a, you know, identifier of a truly great songwriter to your point of like, I'm, I'm writing in my own words and own universe or whatever it is. And subconsciously I'm able to to tie things back together or whatever um and I think you know with with your record coming up I think it's going to be a great way to almost reintroduce yourself you know like because we have talked about the the chaoticness of the back catalog this is that next step kind of that bring me the horizon moment of like hey we're changing our sound again but that's okay because we're doing it well yeah and more importantly, like, I, I think that you can kind of hear on this one that we're not just trying out a bunch of different right. things, you know, like, 
it, yeah, it was almost like 10 years of experimenting and of, you know, doing research to come up with the solution. And I feel like this album for all of us feels like, yeah, like the, the solution. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited for people to hear this one. I, I think we, we really are, we, we all are. And uh, we can't wait to get back on the road and do what yeah. we do best. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's everything I've got for you. Kind of the standard outro. So obviously I'll link all your socials and everything, but where can people find you online? What's the best way to interact? Uh, we are on Instagram at Ragers. Uh, and then I think it's um, LES Ragers on everything else. Les Ragers for those who speak French. That means the Ragers for uh, my fellow Anglophone speakers. Um, and uh, yeah, um, do go on Spotify. Do check out the back catalog before the record comes out. Um, but let us know what you think. And then uh, let us know if you think that we did find the solution with this one. Yeah. Awesome, man. I'm looking forward to it. We'll definitely, you know, obviously keep you posted on when this episode goes live, but you know, I'm looking forward to broadcasting your stuff as much as possible and making, forcing friends to sit out and listen to it front to back. Thank you so much, man. I mean, a yeah. lot. Yeah, absolutely, man. Have a good night. Thanks, man. You too. See ya. And that was my conversation with Billy from Ragers. Really hope you guys enjoyed that. Definitely think you need to go over, check out the catalog of stuff, check out their new single. Um, just really support them. They've been doing it quite a while, like we talked about. Um, and, you know, they've gotten in this groove. They've got a good sound. They know what they want to do. They know kind of what their, their style and what their... Um, persona if you will is going to be uh and it's just really cool to see that you know sometimes it takes a little playing around in different spaces and you know working to figure it all out um and they're getting there and they've kind of landed on the area that they uh feel the most passionate and that's really really cool to see as always i'll have the socials and everything linked in the description of this podcast so be sure you go over check them out give them a like share subscribe follow all that shit um because it's free and that's an easy way to help them out and boost numbers and things like that um and then obviously here on the you make the scene podcast definitely go follow us on facebook and instagram that's where we're most active um be sure that you subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it and share it with friends. Uh, whether it's this episode or others, you know, we're 156 episodes deep so far. Um, and that's just on the quote unquote regular episodes. If you count the bonus episodes and some of the like specials that I've done, um, I'm probably pushing somewhere around 180, uh, 175 probably episodes uh of this podcast so there's probably a band at some point that i've talked to that you're a fan of so go check it out um if there's anybody that you want us to try to get back on the show or maybe have on the show for the first time hit us up on instagram let us know who that should be um leave it in the comments on the description or on this uh podcast post and 
you know, we'll do our best to, to do what we can do. So that's everything, guys. As always, I appreciate everything that you do for me. And remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.